Hey, welcome back to Everyday Egg. <laughs> Everyday Egg? Welcome back to Everyday Egg, the cooking show with Peter and Alan. Do you want to try that? Yeah. One more time. Hey everyone, welcome back to Everyday Ignorance, the show where ignorance is unacceptable. I'm one of your co-hosts, Peter. And I'm your other co-host, Alexander. And we're here to talk about the book Communion. By uh, Whitley Strieber. Uh, by the way, Peter, that was a really amazing introduction. Thank you. So, when are you going to do more voiceover work? I think we're ready. <laughs> I'm ready for you to do a whole Pixar movie at this point. So... How many Toy Stories are we up to? I four? think there are four to six, yeah. somewhere in there. When are they going to finish telling that story? That's what I want to know. I don't know. There's a lot of things, it seems, that, that are undone. There's Toy Story, it keeps going. Um, Ronald McDonald House, the house that Love built. We're still building that house, dude. We've been building that house since, what, the 80s, right? How many houses do these people have to build? Like, seriously, dude, It's it feels like... It's insane. Have you ever donated to them? Um, I think unintentionally or unintentionally. sort of like intentionally okay. as a kid, donating like the pop top tabs. Okay. Whatever. All right. Sorry. I don't want to ruin this table. That's okay. This is a special table. I believe George Washington uh, dined here one time on this table, right? <laughs> <laughs> How old is this table, you think? Uh, it's got to be over 100 years old. Really? I think so, yeah. Holy cow. So really, I mean, I don't think George Washington could have died there, but... No. When did he die? Uh, wasn't it like early 1800s? Probably. Probably, Probably Peter. Uh, I think, aren't you our senior Washington correspondent? Like, don't you know that? Don't you know when George Washington died? Uh, okay. How was your... <laughs> week yeah go ahead tell everyone i want to know details i want to know names i want to know places <laughs> did anyone hurt you this week peter <laughs> just be not, open not be intentionally honest. um uh yeah let's see my week went by at a medium pace not like the adam sandler song mm. Um, what Adam Sandler song is that? Yeah, it's really grotesque. Okay. I mean, it's really uh, obscene. Okay. So right. let's not let's, go there. Let's not go there? Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, not grotesque, but obscene. Yeah. Anyway, um, in any case, it went by at a medium pace. Okay. And then... Um, uh, uh, who hurt you, Peter? <laughs> who, who hurt you? Who broke your heart? Who, it was... Who it? it was somebody that we that we know. Uh, yeah i don't, don't i don't feel that name. anyone hurt me like it's just that like i was sad and then yeah. because the person i was dating doesn't want to date me anymore i don't know why they wouldn't want to be with you <laughs> you're the perfect man why would they not want to be with you peter i mean you're just you're everything you're my everything peter <laughs> so they they just said that did they say they want to be friends, or did they just say, like... No, it's just basically that it's not working out. Oh, wow. Okay. What did you say? Did you just say, you know what? I already was going to date somebody else anyway, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I could see you saying that. You're like, eh, whatever. I don't even care. I already had another girl I was talking to, so it doesn't even bother me. Uh, 
I honestly didn't in this instance, but um, um, anyway, um, well, basically I said, I understand yeah. I'm not good at long distance communication. Yeah. I'll miss you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this was over text, right? Right. Oh, man. Would you rather they have called you or? Kind of, yeah. I'm going to use those chairs. Sure. Um, I hurt my neck. I know nobody can see this on a podcast, but I did hurt my neck. Uh, Monday, I think I slept wrong because I've been using the CPAP, mm. and I don't know if you've ever had neck pain. They make CPAP pillows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have one, so I've just been I don't using either. that. Uh, but it's it's a little sore still. It's I guess it's been not yet a week, but it's gotten a lot better. Like Monday, it was really bad. Like getting in and out of the car, you don't realize how much neck muscle you use to lift up this massive head that I have. <laughs> but you don't realize how much neck muscle you use until like you hurt your neck like just to say stable because we're walking around we're moving around our vision's stable the whole time and then like when you hurt yourself just getting in and out of a car like you like kind of get up and your neck kind of straightens out and dude it hurt like right on the left side yeah it's painful right or just sitting up straight if your neck is yeah. hurt in any way yeah. it's just like yeah yeah it's front. rough um Anyway, though, back to the relationship crisis that you're having right now. So, it's over. It's over. It's not a crisis. No, it's but... a crisis, Peter. I think the governor's actually asking for federal assistance. So, it is. It's a crisis. It's okay. It's okay to admit. What is the first step? It's denial. You're already denying it. You're, you're like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm fine. I'm fine, Alexander. And the second step is anger. So, we just got to get you angry about this. So... <laughs> We need to get you angry. Um, did you feel upset when that happened, or no, not upset? I just felt more like, kind of like, sad and depressed. Mm. Yeah, that's rough. And I was like crying and stuff. Denial, anger, <laughs> a denial. Here it is. This is the Kubler Ross grief cycle, which is you know. Right. One of my favorite grief cycles. Denial is avoidance, confusion, elation, shock, fear. That's like you normally. All right. Anger, frustration, <laughs> frustration, irritation, anxiety. You're getting there. You're getting angry. Bargaining, you're struggling to find meaning. You're reaching out to others. <laughs> others. You're telling one story. Depression. There you go. See, you've got a jump start on that one. So do I. We're already depressed, so you can even skip over that. It's like Monopoly. Overwhelmed, helplessness, hostility, flight, and then finally acceptance. Uh, exploring options, new plan in place, and moving on. Mm. So, yeah. Where do you think you fit in that? Would you say that you're at the denial stage still? <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I really don't know because I've already accepted... Okay. I've already accepted that I like am bad at long distance staying yeah. in touch with people long distance and this was a long semi long distance relationship so mm. it's just kind of like I owned up to that and said that's on me and like okay. I guess that was understood because there was no response mm. to that comment oh so they didn't that the other person didn't respond back no it's <sighs> awful dude <laughs> So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, it's whatever. It's fine. I mean, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, stuff happens. It does, yeah. Um, 
Um, I mean, that's where did you meet that person? Is on Tinder, Facebook or dating. Facebook dating. Okay. Well, uh, this is a rough way to start this podcast. Off. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's get to those aliens. Uh, no, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, but yeah. oh, sorry, no, 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 no you no, go, you ahead. go ahead. No, you. Okay, how was your you week, tell Alexander? Story, Peter. Ow. Other than your neck hurting. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it's it's been a good week. I've probably put out about 52, 54 hours this week working. Um, it's been a lot of work. Uh, but mm-hmm. I've been doing split shifts uh, because in Fargo, you know, Uber's kind of up and down right now. It's, it's not the best because... Uh, it's, it's not cold. I know it's going to get rougher because it's going to get warmer and people are going to go to Detroit Lakes. So I'll kind of have to go where the people go probably. So that means I'll be on an hour drive DL, DL every day and an hour back, which is fine with the exception of uh, gas prices. That's what really is the thing that's hurting me right now. I don't know if you've noticed gas has gone up significantly. Mm. It's like three fifty. Right now, and it was only like three twenty a few weeks ago. So they've raised gas prices through the roof, man. Uh, okay, so I that's, did not notice, honestly. Yeah, um, not everyone works from home like you, Peter. Some people have to deal with the outside <laughs> world. <laughs> right. uh, no, but yeah, gas has been a little rough on my uh, wallet. But besides that, I mean, I've, I've actually done quite a bit. I got my quarterly tax assessment. It's not that bad. Uh, just due to deductions, they're taking off a lot. And then I'm waiting on my IRS stuff to pay online. So um, For the quarter? Yeah, for the quarter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you always want to pay your... If you ever want to start a business, uh, highly suggest you pay your quarterly taxes because otherwise you're going to owe a lot of money at the end of the year and you don't want to be like that. Um, these are quarterly estimates, estimate, estimated taxes, but... Yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot. I mean, right now, I just spent like what was it, a hundred and thirty dollars on? It was two new floor mats for the front, but these are Husky Contour WeatherTech or whatever, so mm. pretty expensive floor mats. Um, but they're gonna be a lot better. The ones, the OEM ones, the Civic ones that came with the car, one of them. <laughs> Really, it's me. I'm the one that's actually putting a lot of damage on the floor mat. But as the driver one, actually uh, went ahead and uh, rubbed a hole through the floor mat with my mm. boot. And I started to notice it was starting to mess up the carpet, like the actual carpet of the vehicle. So I got like a cheap one from Amazon. It was like 20 bucks for four. But I just put one down for the driver. I'm just going to go ahead and get like new floor mats completely over the next month or whatever. And have new back ones too but i've got a back cover i have seat covers now for the front and i have a seat cover for the back so that's really helped me um i kind of wish that i had started with that but when you don't mm. know stuff you don't know uh right. that saves you a lot of hassle there was some guy in my car last night that actually passed out like sleeping he was so drunk uh downtown was really bad last night i was oh. getting honked at uh, by other uber drivers i think so they're they're rude some of the Uber drivers out here are so rude. So, wow. but I'm from Texas, so we have Texas justice. I pulled out my gun, I shot him. <laughs> That's how we solve disputes in Texas, though. If you get angry at somebody, it's okay to challenge them to a duel. So, nothing below, nothing above the belt. That's how we say in Texas. Anything below the belt is fine. Don't shoot genitals. That's our only rule. 
So you can shoot someone in the kneecap. It's fine. It's acceptable. So, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. That would suck. So uh, I mean, hey, man, how do you think we're going to get over these hurdles? We just got to shoot people. Why do you think the governor of Texas is in a wheelchair? He disagreed with somebody, and they had better aim. That's not true at all. <laughs> all right. Uh, we love handicapped people on this podcast. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah. First, first, <laughs> last, last week we were. We were talking about we were, South African children. Okay. Yeah. And then this week we're talking. Yeah. Never mind. I'm not going to go there. We're talking about um, heartbreak. We're talking about desire. We're talking about. Uh, the lack of sexuality in your life, Peter. <laughs> so, um, you know what? Put the kids to bed. This is an adult podcast right now. We're talking about <laughs> we're talking about adult things. We're talking about when a man's heart is broken completely. <laughs> when he when he goes ahead and he what did did you did you lie in your bed and curl up with a bottle of Jameson and. <laughs> And put on pink pick in the pocket and just cry about your life? Or... No, but okay. I just went to bed early and I had to have my Kleenex box by me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's rough. Uh, and then I slept for like 15 hours. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good good response. Yeah. Well, sometimes you need that, though. True, honestly, like, yeah. Because you, cause you are always tired, usually, so... Yeah. Frequently, yeah. Are you using the CPAP? Is it working? Does the CPAP work for you? Because it's working for me. Yeah, it does work for okay. me. I just got to be more consistent. Okay. Um, the only thing about mine there that it doesn't work, and this really frustrates me. And it's not the CPAP's fault, but um, I take the CPAP mask off my face. Sometimes mm-hmm. I do within like fifteen minutes of falling asleep. Like I'll take it off, and it'll show on the I have a little app. And I have a res yep. bed. But yeah, it's like, oh yeah, like you only had it on for like, well, it was like 45 minutes. You only had it on for 45 minutes. I like wearing the mask. I, I don't mind it. It's fine. Um, I but like, unconsciously, subconsciously, or like yeah. in your sleep, you'll remove it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've sort of done similar things before. Yeah. Like I, I was going to get up to go to the bathroom once and then I took it off and then fell back asleep with it off and running uh, <laughs> off of my face. Uh, yeah, so I like it. I like to pretend like I'm a fighter pilot. <laughs> Every day I, I play Top Gun. Uh, yeah, um, well, it's it is it is nice though because if you wanted, you could just throw blankets like on top of yourself and cover your whole face. And I, I've got a full face mask, so mine just covers it, so I'd be okay. But I guess doesn't it? It pops out and blows out the uh, carbon dioxide. Yeah, so yeah. you probably shouldn't do that, but because no, it does have like vents. Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. Well, if I blow too hard, um, then it pops. It, I don't know if you, if you, yeah. does yours have that where it just like little, yeah. little tabs open up and right. it just releases all the excess. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, but other than that, though, I mean, it's been rough with like sleep just because I've been doing split shifts. So I've been getting up at four or five in the morning, mm-hmm. and then working till one or two, and then going to sleep for four hours, and then trying to go from five to new five to midnight or whatever it's tough it's tough on your body so mm. um, it's just hard and then also my apartment I screwed that up I went to go to my new apartment and mm-hmm. they went ahead and said 
okay, we're going to do a showing, you know, the new place. And then, you know how they're like, all right, take a look at it and make sure everything is fine. Oh, yeah. And uh, the lady was like, okay, well, you know, here's the keys. And then she's like, uh, your prorated rent is due right now. So I didn't know that. I thought that was next month. So I just had to lay out like 350 bucks. On the oh. So I can move in right now. I don't have to live in my apartment if I don't want to. But um, okay. uh, the problem is I set the move the movers to come by next month. So mm. I've still got to wait for them to come by. I haven't sort of packing anything. I'm just going to probably wait till the end of this month and then start packing. Because, I mean, it should be two weeks. I should have plenty of time um, to get everything in boxes. And then, gotcha. yeah, so it's it's been a it's been a lot. So dealing with that, and then I've just been looking at just buying different accessories for the car, like different tires. I mean, I'm only at thirty thousand miles, and I expect these tires to last probably seventy, eighty. Uh, but I don't know if you've looked how much tires cost, dude. But for my car, it's probably about a grand for forty mm-hmm. tires. So yeah, I believe it. Yeah, but of course it'll last another eighty thousand miles theoretically. Right. So yeah, it's it's expensive um, to be an Uber driver, but it's I think it's worth it. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's been my week. It's just been a lot of ups and downs. So, uh, what about you? What about your week besides besides what happened? Besides, oh, besides that besides... woman who broke your heart. So <laughs> your heart's so soft, though. How could you break something so soft? Because it just got bent, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of got like yeah. bent, bent out of shape temporarily. Well, that's why you got to hang with the boys, Peter. Because sometimes, you know, your boys will never leave you. So me, and... I got my boys with me. Yeah, that was really good. That was really good. I didn't know we were doing karaoke. <laughs> do, I need to, do I need to put on a beat in the background? Uh, but yeah. So how was how's your week been? Um, Give us some ridiculous rating too, like three out of five paninis. <laughs> or whatever. Um, I give it 20 well, out of 80 neutrons. On the... Neutrons. I won't use their full name, but okay. on the... On the Nicole 10 points... 10 point decimal scale... What? It's like... Um, okay. It's like... It was like a 6.45. And then on the JI 35 point scale, it was um like... um. I feel like I'm in college right 27 now. out of 35. Professor, are we doing... Maybe 25 business? when you can factor in Friday night when okay. I found out about the... The, um, the not, betrayal? Not, no. The heartbreak? <laughs> about the heartbreak. Yeah. S- slash sadness. Not really heart heartbreak as much as like sort of semi-heartbreak slash sadness was it relief too were you also like oh man i'm so no. glad to be done with this no i don't have to put up appearances anymore <laughs> only in the sense that i don't have to commute to grand forks and i'm not going to get into another long, long distance, distance relationship yeah. and i learned that from that okay because it's too hard with my schedule and with yeah. everything yeah i know it's tough man it's really hard a lot of there's not I mean there are a lot of women in Fargo but there's really not in the grand scheme of things there's not a lot of people here so right because like you're on Facebook dating yeah. sometimes and then you see the same people on Tinder and yeah. then like yeah, yeah it's kind of weird yeah. and you're like why won't they just give me a chance <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the same woman three times on three different dating profiles why won't she just give me a chance what if I take your pictures and put them on my profile I think that could work. Well, you could say I, I used to be thinner, 
and taller, and I'm just like, now I'm shorter and fatter. <laughs> and that's me. I'll show up like, hi, I'm Peter Turpin. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's not good, Peter. But, yeah, um, so there's a book that uh, I've been reading, the Bible, but I've also been reading another book, uh, and I, I, I will say, so, okay, I don't, let me ask you this, what is, because I was talking to my brother about this, what are, what are your, like, what's your biggest fear? What scares you in life? Um. The slow plotting of death? No, like, okay. not having enough money to make ends meet. Oh, yeah, but, okay, okay, okay. What if you had to watch, like, a scary movie, though? Like, what scares you? Oh. Yeah, yeah, because if that's a movie, then... <laughs> That's just called the average American. <laughs> the movie. That's most of us are just like barely surviving. Um, yeah. Like what I, scares me the yeah, most? Yeah. Um, like I'm to watch a horror film. The scariest horror films have been like the Jason movies for me. Okay. The Friday the Thirteenth movies. Okay. Um, I don't know why. Oh no, Freddy Krueger movies have been a nightmare on Elm Street. Have been scarier. Because I've probably said this multiple times on the podcast already, but yeah. because he can like kind of kill you in your dream, in your mm. dreams, like it's kind of and get into your dreams and get into your head that like it's really freaky in yeah. that sense that you're not safe anywhere. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like the woman who broke your heart. She uh, she didn't kill you in your dreams. She just killed your dreams, Peter. <laughs> She got into your heart. She got into your heart. Uh, so okay. So it's just the idea that somebody could kill you in your dreams, and you have really no control, right? Right. Okay. I think that's honestly what basis the basis of most fears really are is we have no control because we all want control in our lives. Mm. You know, it's kind of like why we go on roller coasters. I don't go on roller coasters, but uh, mm. I have. Uh, why we go on them because you're out of control. You're going wherever the roller coaster is taking you for the mm-hmm. next 20 seconds or 30 seconds. It's just, it might be windy, might, you might go up and around. You have zero control over that situation. I think that's exciting, but also scary. You know, the first time, and then, you know, if you go on there second or third time, it's more just fun. But, right. yeah, because we've expected that. And then I think that's the same thing with movies is we try to imagine our, uh, subconsciously imagine ourselves as the characters. And we are like, oh my gosh, you know, don't do that, don't go in there, don't open that closet or whatever, and it's terrifying mm-hmm. because in a, in a weird way, we see ourselves as those people, I think. I think, I don't know. That's just me. Uh, I guess it's, in a weird way, it's almost like projection. Like you're projecting mm-hmm. yourself onto that person. Uh, like you mentioned, the Freddy Krueger movies, I'm sure you saw it, which I don't know the last time you saw one of those. Uh um, I was I was like an adolescent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw the first one because I always wanted to. Uh, I saw the first one like last year. It was really dumb. Like I was watching it and I was just <laughs> like, dude, this isn't scary at all. Like it was bad. Uh, it, it's awful. I, a lot of movies that were scary back in the day haven't aged well. Uh, the Exorcist. I saw that like I saw that like 12, 13 years ago. And I, you know, there's so much hype for this movie. This is the scariest movie that was ever made. And I watched it. I went up laughing through some of those parts because you can clearly tell it's like a, a puppet or a doll that someone's shaking on a bed back and forth. And I'm like, dude, this isn't scary at all. You know, now if they remade it with better special effects, I'm sure mm-hmm. it'd be a lot more terrifying. 
Right. Right, like when her head is rotating yeah, and then the green, yeah. the bright green vomit <laughs> yeah. is coming out. That's totally Silly unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Incredible. Like, like, um, totally use your looks big words. very fake. Use your NPR words. Sorry. Use your NPR words. Uh, <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, no, it's, you're right. It, it is. It is ridiculous. And uh, I think I read somewhere that the thing about scary movies and all those these different things is there's, the willing suspension of belief, I think, or disbelief. Uh, so you suspend that for a second. And if you can suspend that for an hour and a half or two hours, then it's scary, you know, because you're watching that. And then for me, whenever I watch scary movies or scary things, later at night when I'm trying to go to sleep, that's when it pops back in my head. And a lot of people have that problem. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a sin as a Christian. I don't think it's a sin. Some Christians are going to disagree with me. I don't think it's a sin to watch scary movies, read a scary book, um, Fear isn't really brought up, it seems like, too much in the Bible. Like, it's in there, but there's no monsters, which is weird because if you think about it, um, most of the Greeks and some of the Romans and stuff, you know, that was that was a big part of their culture was the monsters of back mm. then. You know, don't go off the map. You know, there's monsters. Even they'd write on there, here there'd be monsters. Uh, but mm. in the Bible... I can't really think of there being, except for hell, you know, that's, that's pretty terrifying. Yeah. But that you, and people just being evil. Yeah. 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 I mean, even which like, which is real, really what real monsters are anyway. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, well, even people like that are possessed in the Bible. Like it's scary if you think about it for a long time because you're picturing it in your mind, but the Bible doesn't write it as the, there's an airplane. The Bible doesn't yeah. write it as if there's this like really terrifying scene to it. Um, the Bible, right. I guess hell's pretty scary. Even in the Bible, I would say the devil isn't really that scary. Like he's out there and they say it's, he's a roaring lion. He walks about seeking whom he may devour. That's metaphorical. He's not a real lion right. uh, walking around. So, um, <clears throat> I would say that, uh, this is a really long way to go roundabout <laughs> subject, but okay. I would say that I do think we should talk about fear, but I, I would say that. Um, being afraid of something really goes back to a lot of times a lack of control. If you're in a dark room as a child, like you're afraid because you lack the control to see around you. You know, if you're um, right. falling, uh, everybody, almost everybody, if I would think every human has a fear of falling. So we, we are not standing and you have no control. You're just drifting throughout the air, um, mm-hmm. which is a fear. You know, nobody wants to fall. <clears throat> you know, if you uh, opened a door and there's supposed to be stairs there, <laughs> and you fell like eight feet, uh, yeah, that'd be scary for a couple seconds until you hit the ground, and then who knows what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. That would be uh, quite painful. Um, so anyway, though, uh, one of my fears is aliens, alien abductions. I got traumatized as a child, and I'll tell you why. I got traumatized as a child. Um, but uh, when I was a kid, my mom would listen to the show, and you, I don't know, I think we've talked about this, but mm-hmm. it's Coast to Coast. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, did you ever hear about that show? Um, only from you, no. Okay. Uh, well, it was a show, it was in the 90s, <clears throat> and it was called Coast to Coast with Art Bell, who was the, like, the original guy that did that. And it was, it was very groundbreaking. There was no podcast back then. Podcasting wasn't around, never been invented. Like, what we're doing now is so... In a sense, it's so new. I mean, it's been around for a while now, but still, like, up until just recently, you could just make a podcast. Like, you had to go find a, a hosting platform, and it would be a different company, 
and then you have to get recording software, and then you know you have mm. to get traffic somehow. So, you know, we use social media. We use uh, what is it? Instagram, Facebook, all those different things. I mean, back then, <clears throat> like in two thousand three or whatever, that wasn't really too much of an option. Like it was, it was tough, and a lot of people didn't listen to podcasts. Uh, now sure. you know it's it's everywhere you go, and celebrities have podcasts. Everybody has a podcast, but uh, but when I was a kid. My mom would listen to this show called Coast to Coast. And I remember the scariest thing about that show wasn't the fact that it came on really late. Because he usually started the show. Uh, I know it's exciting, Peter. You're like, oh, you're, how many times have you yawned already? I don't know. Three? Three? Eight? Um, Five to let's seven. Let's talk about your heartbreak again, shall we? No, <laughs> but the scariest thing about that show was not the fact that it started so late. Because obviously we're talking about scary things. So he starts around, no joke, like midnight in Texas. Uh, mm. It was, I mean, it started late. And he would go for like three hours. What? Yeah. So this show was big with truck drivers. It was big with people that worked late shifts or night shifts. And my mom uh, and my dad didn't really get along that well. So I think my mom would kind of spend most of her time in the bathroom. And she'd listen to this. Or she'd be in the kitchen. She'd listen to this. Um, so when I was a kid... I'd be trying to sleep, and uh, my mom would open the door to my room, and she would have this little radio. I think she still has the radio. And she would bring the radio in, and she'd be like, listen, listen to this. I don't know why she did that. You know, like, why do you traumatize your child? Well, I don't know why you do that, but it, it worked out. Um, but the, I think the scariest part about that entire show wasn't the fact that it was Monday through Thursday. Because Monday through Thursday, they had a topic. Every single day. Friday, though, was the scariest part. Because he said, Friday, we have open lines. So you call in uh, anything. So people would be calling in, and they'd be like, uh, you know, yeah, uh, so um, am I on the radio? You know, and he'd be like, well, you've got to turn your radio down, Tommy, or whatever. And the guy would be like, yeah, so uh, I don't know if uh, you know anything about this, but uh, we have a what we think is a presence that lives in our attic. And it would just get so creepy because the guy would be talking and he'd be like, yeah, and I hear scratching at night and I'm not really sure what it is because it ain't rats, we don't think. And then the, then somebody would call in and of course he'd be like, yes, tell me about the presence that lives in your attic, Tommy. You know, he'd, he'd do that. And then somebody else would call him like, yeah, I remember I'd heard crazy stuff. Like one guy was like, yeah, I was uh, driving a truck last night and uh, I saw a dinosaur run across the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is crazy, but the the more believable ones were the uh, aliens and the demons. You know, people would remember there was like some guy that was like, "This this scared me because I'll, I'll never forget this." But somebody called in. The guy said, <clears throat> "He's like, I was driving my car, and uh, we were going like 40, 50 miles an hour, and it was I guess you know back roads, well not not gravel roads, but there were roads, and um, I looked and to the right." And there's this, like, deal, this, like, I don't know, biped, what we are, two legs, uh, running <clears throat> alongside the car. And he was, like, and it, it was trying to grab my wife or my child in the car. And it was reaching for them. And it was, it was running as fast as the car was. And so he had to, like, speed and speed until finally he, he got away from it. And he, I remember he was, like, yeah, and it had red eyes. And it was, like, bright red glowing eyes, you know? And so that's the stuff my mom would introduce to me, <laughs> like Friday when I'm trying to go to sleep. Uh, that's terrifying. Whoa. 
Yeah. So coast to coast, um, I I listen to on YouTube. You can listen to, like archived episodes. Okay. Sometimes, and uh, they had open lines, and I'm like, well, I don't know if it's really that scary. And I remember it was like a year or two ago. I had to turn it off because and then like seven minutes. You know, it's like the most horrifying stuff you've ever heard of. It's like reading terrifying books. You know, it's it's, it's mm-hmm. really scary. And uh, then there'd be people like, yeah, you know, I was abducted uh, when I was like 18 years old or 23 or whatever. This happened four months ago. I was in my bed and then, you know, I, um, I, I woke up, but four hours had gone by and I have no idea what happened and... I mean, there'd be all these people calling in about abductions, alien abductions, not just abductions as in someone mm-hmm. took them from their house. But, you know, that's the stuff we hear. Um, <clears throat> and uh, my mom would uh, do that. And, of course, the program was really... It's still going, by the way. Coast to Coast is still going. Joy, Art Bell died. He died... Uh, I think he died, like, 2010 or 2012 or something. So it was Art Bell, and there's George Nori, or... I think it's George Knapp or George Nori. And then there's a lady, and nobody liked that lady. I remember that. <clears throat> and there's another guy that's running Coast to Coast. But they have a lot of listeners. Like, it's still out there. They still do Open Line Fridays. You can listen to Coast to Coast every Friday in Fargo if you want. <laughs> so, you can. Because I turned on the radio one time. I used have Spotify. And for some reason, I was like, I wonder if they have Coast to Coast. It was Friday. It was late at night. And I had Googled Coast to Coast. And, yeah, it picked it up. It was like 1.30 in the morning. And, you know, some guys are like, yeah, and that's when I saw it was a bear, but it was a half bear, half monkey face, you know, <laughs> or whatever's going on, <clears throat> whatever you're into. Uh, but <clears throat> when I say I was traumatized as a child, that wasn't the most traumatic thing. The most traumatic thing was, so I would hear about these aliens and these abductions, and that's pretty scary when you're a little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember my mom had the radio, and sometimes I'd want to be around my mom. And, uh, I mean, most kids do, but, uh, I'd, I'd go in there and listen and the guy's like, yeah. So then, uh, I was in my room and it was just like this bright light comes through and, um, and I don't remember what happened after that. And then like, I woke up and it was 7am and I'm just sitting in my bed and you know, I'm like, oh, that's scary, but that's not too scary. I don't know. As a kid, I was just like, well, you know, whatever. I was more scared of, like, dinosaurs or something. You know, stuff that, like... Mm. Or demons. You know, that's pretty scary. But mm-hmm. I remember, like, I went to bed one night. <clears throat> and uh, after hearing all that... And this is this is true. I mean, it's funny, but it's true. Um, I was sleeping in bed. And I remember my dog... I'd always want the dog next to me in bed. Because I, I assumed that if a monster was going to try to kill me, I could throw the dog at the monster. <laughs> it would start eating the dog first. And then I could run maybe out the front door. We lived in a second-story apartment, okay. and this happened. Um, I was laying in bed, and this super bright white light comes into the window. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's happening, you know? It's happening. It was all real. <laughs> it's all real. No. And, uh, and it goes away. And I'm like, it scared me. I mean, if you listen to a show about aliens for 40 minutes, and then you were trying to sleep at night, and this bright light comes through your window, that's terrifying. Right. So I remember I went to my mom, and I was like, Mom, Mom, like, something happened. I don't know what it is, but, you know, I don't know if it's aliens. I don't know what's going on. It was a police officer. He had a spotlight on his car. I don't oh. know why he was spotlighting 
second story apartment windows. <laughs> that makes no sense. I don't know. Is he looking for Spider Man? Like, what is he? <laughs> like, what are you doing up there, bro? So he he did that, and uh, my mom actually she was like, I don't see anything. You know, she she didn't say I don't believe you, but she just said I don't know what you're talking about. And she was standing in my room, and I'm like, Mom, it happened, and it happened again. And that's when she looked out, and you could see the police car driving away. I lived in a really bad neighborhood. There was mm. several people shot there <clears throat> near that apartment complex. I think one in. I saw a lot of people get chased by the cops. I saw guns drawn. It wasn't a good place. You know, it's not a place to raise a child. So I think right. that really traumatized me about aliens and alien abductions. And mm-hmm. I also have OCD. And OCD, a big thing about OCD is, excuse me, for me personally, uh, I would say it's a uh, lack of control, again. You know, with OCD, you are obsessing, and it's a compulsive, and you're constantly doing it. You're obsessing over whatever, whether that's lightning, uh, you know, aliens, germs, mm-hmm. relationships. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, whatever that is, you know, it could be death. Um, you know, I've had all kinds of, like, obsessions where I've had to basically talk myself off the ledge of going into full-blown insanity bill you know because you can if you have ocd you can easily do that you can Mm -hmm. wash your hands until you have blood on your hands or you can go ahead which actually if you keep washing your hands that really actually defeats the purpose of washing your hands i mean it's good to wash them but you shouldn't overwash them because then i think you get cracked right and then you start Mm -hmm. eating blood which actually will allow for infections to get in your hands right so think about that tonight when you're asleep (laughs) okay when you've washed your hands with steel wool um (laughs) But, uh, so that's what scares me. You know, aliens scare me. I think the logical and rational part of my mind has to disengage and say, okay, um, are aliens real? The chance of, if they were real, if they are real, the chance of you seeing an alien, you know, this is one of the states with, like, the least most reported aliens ever. However, there was a reported uh, UFO. I think, did we talk about this? Yeah. Yeah. When, what, when was it? Wasn't it like in the 50s or something like that? I think so. It was, um, it was in Fargo. Okay. Uh, it was right here actually. And uh, I'm just going to pull this up because, because <sighs> uh, I need to. Fargo, North Dakota. It was called the Gorman Dogfight. 1948. By the way, the CIA, who we should never trust, the CIA uh, recently started their own Twitter. I don't know if you know that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, because that's what we need is the CIA starting Twitter. Uh, This was like three or four years ago. And they just popped open and they said, by the way, all those incidents of people seeing UFOs, it was actually just the SR-71 Blackbird, which is one of the fastest airplanes ever made. And they said, it was us, except that doesn't make sense. Because the SR-71 Blackbird wasn't around in 1948. We were still flying propeller planes mm. and just about to go into jet planes. Um, so the uh, <clears throat> the 1948 uh, incident, George Gorman was a veteran fighter pilot of World War II. He was the second lieutenant in the North Dakota National Guard. He was 25 years old. He was participating in a cross-country flight with other National Guard pilots. He was flying a P-51 Mustang. This was October 1st, 1948. His flight arrived over Fargo, 8.30 p.m. 
the other pilots decided to land at Fargo Hector Airport. Fargo's Hector Airport. He decided to take advantage of the clear, cloudless conditions and get in some night flying, staying aloft. 9 p.m., he flew over a stadium where a high school football game was being held. He noticed a small Piper Cub plane flying some 500 feet below him. Otherwise, the skies were completely clear. Uh, he said uh, shortly after he noticed that, he saw another object to his west. When he looked for the outline of a wing or a fuselage, he could see none. This contrasted with the Piper Cub, whose outline was clearly visible. The object appeared to be a blinking light. In 907, he contacted the tower at Hector Airport, asked if it had any other air traffic in the area other than the P-51 and the Piper Cub. The tower said no, and it had contacted the Piper Cub pilot, A.D. Cannon. Cannon and his passenger answered that they could also see a lighted object to the west. Whoa. Uh, Gorman told the tower he was going to pursue the object <laughs> to determine its identity, which I, I kind of feel like, you know, that sounds, you know, pretty smart. I mean, he, he's a, a veteran fighter pilot. So, I guess, yeah. Uh, he moved his Mustang to full power, which back then was 350 to 400 miles per hour, but soon realized that the object was going too fast for him to catch it in a straight run. Instead, Whoa. he tried cutting the object off. He made a right turn. Uh, and approached the object head-on at 5,000 feet. The object flew over his plane at a distance of 500 feet. He described the object as a simple ball of light, 6 to 8 inches in diameter. Uh, he also later noted when the object increased its speed, it stopped blinking and it got brighter. Uh, after its near collision, he lost sight of the object. When he saw it again, it appeared to have made a 180-degree turn, was coming at him again. The object made a sudden vertical climb, he followed the object in his own steep climb, and at 14,000 feet, his P-51 Mustang stalled out. The object was still 2,000 feet above him. He made two further attempts to get closer to the object with no success. It seemed to make another head-on pass, but broke off before coming close to his own fighter plane. By this point, the object had moved over Hector Airport, and in the control tower, the air traffic controller, L.D. Jensen, viewed the object through binoculars, but could see also no form or shape around the light. Uh, so he was joined by Cannon and his passenger from the Piper Cub. They had landed and walked over to the control tower to get a better view of the object. Gorman continued to follow the object until he was approximately 25 miles southwest of Fargo. At 14,000 feet, he observed the light at 11,000 feet. He then dived on the object at full power, but the object made a vertical climb. He tried to pursue, but watched as the object passed out of his visual range. At this point, he broke off the chase. It was 9.27 p.m. Gorman flew back to Hector. Uh, October 23rd, 1948, he did give a sworn account of his incident to investigators. Um, he said, this is the quote, I am convinced that there was definite thought behind its maneuvers. I am further convinced that the object was governed by the laws of inertia because of its acceleration was rapid but not immediate, and although it was able to turn fairly tight at considerable speed, it still followed a natural curve. When I attempted to turn with the object, I blacked out temporarily due to excessive speed. I'm in fairly good physical condition, and I do not believe that there are many, if any, pilots who could withstand the turn and speed affected by the object and remain conscious. The object was not only able to outturn and outspeed my aircraft, but it was able to attain a far steeper climb and was able to maintain a constant rate of climb far in excess of my aircraft. What? And so, the, just a few hours after that happening, military officers from Project SIGN, the United States Air Force's study of UFO phenomena, 
arrived to interview Gorman, Cannon, his passenger, and the control tower people at Hector. They also checked his Mustang with a Geyer counter for radiation. They found that the Mustang was measurably more radioactive than any other fighters which had not flown for several days. This was taken as evidence that Gorman had flown close to an atomic-powered object. Yeah. USAF investigators also ruled out the possibility of the lighted object being another aircraft, Canadian, I didn't know this, Canadian vampire jet fighters. (laughs) (laughs) Or a weather balloon. Uh, Their initial conclusion, writes UFO historian Curtis Peebles, was that something remarkable had occurred to Gorman in the skies above Fargo. Uh, however, further investigation by Project Sign personnel soon revealed flaws in the evidence. A uh, plane flying in the Earth's atmosphere is less shielded from radiation than at one ground, ground level. Uh, so they said that the Geiger readings were now considered invalid evidence. Uh, because uh, they were saying that apparently if you fly, <laughs> uh, it's, you, you won't, you'll get less shielded from radiation. Then it, the Air, Force, Air Weather Service said on October 1st it released a lighted weather balloon from Fargo at 8.50. By 9 p.m. the balloon would have been the area where Gorman and the Piper Cub passengers first saw the lighted object. Um, uh, Project Signs investigators also believe that the incredible movements of the object were due to Gorman's own maneuvers as he chased the light. The object's maneuvers were an illusion brought about by the, moment, by the movements of his fighter plane. Uh, the investigators also believe that as the weather balloon passed out of sight, he had come to believe that the planet Jupiter was the UFO, and therefore he had been chasing the planet as he flew south of Fargo before giving up and returning to land. Mm. Uh, so yeah, they tried to say it was caused by a lighted weather balloon. You know what's interesting? I will say this. If the government didn't believe there were UFOs, then how come they had Project Sign, also had something called Project Grudge? And the successor project Blue Book. Um, so they, I don't know, they're putting a lot of evidence in this stuff that they don't believe in. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, they try to say that uh, that the UFO report that he did was the most overrated in the early history of the phenomenon. So um, some people agree, some people disagree with what happened. But uh, I don't know. I do think that uh, there was something in the skies here. In 1948. <laughs> what? Nothing. I, I just, I'm not sure what to believe about it. Yeah. Um, so, I uh, started reading. Uh, do you, by the way, do you need to take a break or anything? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, there's an alien behind you. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. Uh, uh, but I started reading this book. And I, by the way, I hadn't read that. That was all from Wikipedia. So, it was, you know, that's our top research. <laughs> Uh, book, but I started reading this book, Communion, by Whitley Strieber, and I, I did, I will admit, so I did ask ChatGPT, which is the AI, we should do a study on AI, but ChatGPT, super powerful AI tool, we're using it to write synopsis for a podcast, I am, uh, but I, I needed a little bit of a refresher, because I hadn't read it, I, I have a problem reading stuff like that and then sleeping, it's hard for me to do that, because it's pretty scary, mm. um, so I read... I'm like 30, 40% of the book. And um, Whitley Strieber is, he's still alive. He was an author. Uh, he wrote a few books. I think one of them was, was uh, Wolfen, which they turned into a movie. And okay. then I think there was another one called War Day. And uh, he was really popular. So he's a science fiction writer. 
and that's why he said he kind of delayed writing this book about his experiences because he thought, well, I don't know if people are going to even believe me about what I'm saying because I'm a sci-fi writer, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. um, I'm just going to read a little bit of what Chad GPT wrote because obviously this is a lot better than me talking. Um, but the book begins with him. Uh, he is, he's living with his wife and he's living with his son. Uh, they're in a remote cabin. He decided to go visit a cabin in New York. Um, he wasn't just there. It's funny how ChatGPT left out this part, but he wasn't just there with his wife and his son. He was also there with two other people. They were authors. One of them, uh, it's a lady. I don't remember her name, and but there was another one. He was a guy. I know he escaped from Ukraine uh, back okay. when it was part of the Soviet Union. Because mm. uh, this is. This is a while back. Um, uh, let me see. I'm going to have to edit that part out. Um, it was written, it was first published in 1987. Okay. So uh, it's, it's definitely uh, kind of an older book. But yeah, so it was it was something that... He goes ahead and um, he talks about how, and this is just me trying to remember, but um, he doesn't like the isolation. Uh, he's not a huge fan of the strange noises in the woods. And then um, he goes ahead and ChatGPT wrote a bunch of stuff that I don't even remember happening. So. Because uh, ChatGPT says he starts having nightmares and stuff. I don't remember that being in the book. ChatGPT can't be wrong. But um, one thing is, you know, he's out there, and it's a late night, and they're in the cabin. It's a nice cabin. They made a movie off this book, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he's there with his wife and the two other people. Everyone's in bed, and he went to bed. And then he said that, I think he said, like, he heard a noise. And um, it w- he was in his bedroom, and his wife was next to him, and he couldn't see a lot, but he could see enough. You know, like when you're when it's dark, you can't see too much, but you can see a little bit. Your eyesight's pretty much adjusted. And he said that he saw it was a small figure that um, kind of peeked out from the door. So somebody or something had opened the door and looked at him. And like then, inside the cabin? Yeah. Yeah, it's his bedroom door. Oh my gosh. And like ducked its head back, you know, and he was like, What is that? And um and I'm trying to remember if he saw more, but so some other stuff happens and I'll I'll circle back to that, but some other stuff happens. And um he goes to a hypnotist because he tries a bunch of stuff to try to remember stuff. And he's like, okay, I'm going to try this hypnosis therapy, see where it gets me. And um, he consults with the hypnosis person, and the guy says, well, just come in and, you know, let's just talk, and we'll see where it goes. And and he starts remembering stuff. And, um, Um. yeah, he talks about uh, going back to the bedroom. He says he's in the bedroom, and he's lying on the bed. And, um, yeah, he said... uh, there's a, a deal, uh, uh, humanoid, I guess an alien, be the best way to say it, uh, standing there, and um, it had like a big shield on, 
That's what he said. Like covering its front. And uh, I, I, I mean, this is all Whitley Strieber, so take it for what you will. Whitley Strieber um, said a bunch of stuff. <laughs> but one thing, I'll, I'll say this. This is the thing I like about Whitley Strieber. Um, I listen to Whitley Strieber. He still is, still is doing interviews and stuff. But I listen to Whitley Strieber. He was on a podcast. And um, they were talking about stuff. <laughs> and he, now he says the aliens are just curious. He says that they're just visitors. Um, and then he was saying something about his wife. Because he goes into detail about that. But his wife, uh, eventually she passed away. But then he's like, I forgot her name, but he's like, yeah, like she's she's still with me and she visits me. I'm like, dude, I don't mm. think that's good, you know. Yeah. And, and but when when he says that she visits me, his idea of her visiting him is like, um, you know, almost like, um, uh, I don't want to say like fortune telling, but like uh, if I said, well, go ahead, you know, if you're really here, go ahead and. Uh, you know, flip my phone over or whatever. You know, it's it's not like that exactly, but it's it's kind of along those lines of like, mm-hmm. yeah, and I knew right there that she was with me. You know, so that's to me that's that's so coincidental and unscientific. Um, I'm pretty skeptical mm-hmm. on a lot of stuff. Um, I'm not big on miracles. I'm not big on aliens. I'm not big on you know. I think I saw a thing maybe out in the woods one time. It's like, dude, you know, we live in today's world where our phone cameras can be used to shoot films. Like, they're so good. So, if you can't snap a picture, it's going to be very hard for me to believe you. Um, you know, your credibility's in check. That's why I believe the Gorman account with the Fargo dogfight, uh, because this guy was a veteran fighter pilot. He'd actually been out there. But, anyway, though, Willie Strieber, this is from what I remember, but he, he calls the first chapter, the first part of the book, it's called The Dark Visitor. And it's talking about, he calls them visitors. And... Uh, so he didn't remember anything, but he goes ahead, before he goes to the hip, hypnotist, I really should have put this in an outline, <laughs> before he goes to the hypnotist, but he, he goes ahead and he was freaked out, and um, mm-hmm. the uh, the other people say that they remember um, there was like cats running above, because they were downstairs, he was upstairs with his wife, and uh, he, because he had asked him, like, hey, do you remember anything from that night? And like, no, we heard cats walking around. And then you came in the bedroom. You came in the room we were at, and you told us, "Hey, go back to bed. There's no problem." And he's like, "We didn't have cats. There are no cats over there. The cats we had are at another home." So now he's starting to get really worried. <clears throat> and um, oh my gosh, he just remembers the blue light. There's a blue light that came in his bedroom, and uh, these he calls them visitors are visiting, and that's the whole title of the book communion which when most people hear communion they think of the catholic church this is not that kind of communion so there's no wafers and there's no <laughs> there's no grape juice peter do you want to add anything while i drink this uh bud light this podcast brought to you by bud light um the cat part really freaks me out because like then there's like corroboration of mm-hmm. like small bodies of some sort walking upstairs what freaked me out the most was not the cat thing. That was like, okay, that's not good. What freaked me out the most is his son. His son was a child, and his son said that the doctors were talking to him. And he's like, what do you mean the doctors? And he's like, yeah, the little doctors. And so they took him too. 
So. Oh my gosh. But before all this, before he goes to the hypnotist, um, what was freaky in the book, to me at least, was that he didn't want to remain in the house. He didn't want to remain in the cabin anymore. So he he goes ahead and uh, he says, we got to leave the cabin. I don't feel good. The next few days, he's in a lot of pain. Um, he hurts and uh, I'm not trying to be funny or gross or whatever, but his, his rectum hurts. I guess I'll say it like that. It's, it's hard to sit down. I think he has headaches too. Um, wow. And uh, he is like, you know what? I think I'm going to leave New York. And his wife is like, what the heck is wrong with you? So they're going to buy, I think I've talked to you about this, haven't I? Or maybe I, I, I talked so. to somebody else about this. They're going to buy a house in Texas. And they went in the house and they're like, okay, this seems nice. And he's like, I really like this place. But he said he went on the back porch and um, he looked up and it was the sky. And he felt terrified because he felt like the sky was looking at him. Which is mm. unusual, right? Like usually, when you look at the sky, you're not scared of it. It's it's beautiful. Um, mm. He didn't feel that feeling, so that freaked me out because it's like, man, that's weird. You know, I've never felt like that about the stars. You know, when you look at the stars in the sky, it's like it's pretty. So right. um, yeah, so he goes to the hyp- hypnotist, and uh, he starts talking, and um, this is where you know I haven't read the whole book yet. So I speak out of ignorance, but this is where me and Whitley start to diverge on our paths of belief. <clears throat> and uh, okay. he says these uh, these creatures are visitors and they want to commune with us. And uh, by the way, he did tell his wife. He told his wife, and she was relieved. Uh, he thought she was going to divorce him. But she was relieved because she really wanted to know what was going on with him, and she didn't. <laughs> and she didn't know. And mm-hmm. um, later on, by the way, um, he wrote this book. And uh, the book at the time in '87 apparently was a super hit, like super bestseller, and mm-hmm. uh, couldn't keep it on the shelf. And um, I remember. Like, he talks about that and how it's, like, so big of a deal that people want to read this thing. But uh, she goes ahead and um, the wife... Well, okay, after writing the book, um, Mm -hmm. he starts getting, like, hundreds of letters from people that are like, I saw the same thing. The same thing's happened to me. And what she does is she catalogs all these letters. So, apparently, there's a place in Texas you can go to right now, and I kind of want to visit... Uh, where there's all these letters of people saying, yeah, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. It's like thousands of them. So, wow. um, I'd like to see it. I'd like to read those at least. But uh, So, me and Whitley, we, we vary on this. Because he says, um, he uh, goes ahead and um, he sees them as visitors um, over the following weeks, uh, he keeps having encounters with these beings, uh, who he starts calling them, by the way, uh, visitors. Um, I believe they're not visitors. I believe there's only really t- a few, a handful of possibilities. Number one, um, you know, the skeptical completely, there couldn't be right, would say this man is having delusions or he's having a problem. He maybe has a mental illness. I don't sure. think that's true. Um, 
people have weird beliefs, but that doesn't mean that he has a mental illness. Uh, sure. And at the time, he didn't seem to have a ton of weird problems. I mean, now he's talking about his wife's with him, but back then, though, fairly successful author. I mean, this would be like if Stephen King started saying that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is it was all money thing. It was all just financially based, and he wanted to write a book, and he already knew how to do this, write science fiction books, so maybe you just write another book about aliens and then say, hey, this is happening to me. Okay, but then how do you explain all the thousands of letters that have come in of all these other people? He didn't write those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, three, you know, there's this is a, a common Christian standpoint, is that, well, there's no such thing as aliens. They're only demonic creatures. And demons do this to people, and we don't really know why. Uh, I've heard Christians say that. There, there's no mm-hmm. such thing as aliens, but there must be demons. That is a, that is a very, I think, a, a very... Um, narrow viewpoint because when, then you're just saying well there couldn't be any aliens uh because aliens aren't in the bible well there's a lot of stuff that's not in the bible you know i can name probably five things right now uh there's no cars in the bible uh there's no internet in the bible <laughs> there's no uh there's no bud light in the bible and maybe we should change that but there's no bud light in the bible uh there's no i don't know let me think here there's no jc pennies in the bible uh, there's no garage door openers in the Bible. Uh, Navy SEALs, that's not in the Bible. So that's five things that aren't in the Bible, and they're in modern times. Either A, they didn't exist, or they didn't know about it yet. Um, or really, it's not pertaining to the story of the Bible. The whole Bible, I would say, is set around Jesus Christ. Uh, right. There's a lot of things that are in the Bible. There's lots of nations that were never discussed that were in the Bible, and then civil wars and uprisings that are just never talked about because it doesn't really matter. Um, so I think that's a narrow viewpoint to say, well, see, there's no aliens because God didn't tell us he made them. Well, God doesn't have to tell you everything. God doesn't tell you everything. In fact, there's a part in the Bible in Revelation where he tells John, don't write about what you're about to see next. And we have no idea what John sees. So mm-hmm. I, in my mind, I shoot that theory down. I say, no, that's too narrow. Um, I mean, there's a lot of viruses that are out there that are ancient and the Bible never brings them up. So the Bible really was, you know, you have your Old Testament that's dealing with your ancient peoples. You have your New Testament that's dealing with your, I guess you'd say, your ancient Christian church. I mean, it's all ancient to us now. We're in the year 2023. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so <clears throat> then there's the idea that I think he has. And he says, excuse me, he says um, these are visitors who just want to, commune with us who want to that's where we would say we get the word communicate want to commune with us want to talk with us well i'm talking to you (laughs) um now if you were i don't know i'm just going to throw something out there if you were a uh a fairly intelligent uh lizard okay and you could you had your own little lizard language and you were talking to other lizards and you guys could drive cars and whatever. And then, okay, so if I wanted to visit the lizard people, <laughs> if I want to visit the lizards, mm-hmm. um, why do I have to go in the middle of the night and, like, tranquilize you and tranquilize everybody around you and then pick you up and stuff? Like, I don't have to do any of that. I could easily just land my spaceship, you know, in a public place yeah, and and go ahead and announce who I am and who I'm there with. There's one part in the book where I, I see I don't like the whole where he says they're just visitors because he talks about how um, you know he's being examined by these things and 
Mm. Uh, one of the things kind of looks like a woman, or he, he thinks they're female. And then, um, you know, uh, the female thing says to him, uh, what do you want me to be? And he says, I want you to be a dream. Basically, I don't want you to be real. And it says, I can't be a dream. I am real. And then uh, the thing says, how do we get you to stop screaming? Which to me says, <laughs> to me says that you know you're scaring or you're torturing somebody and you're trying to get them to stop. So that indicates a high level of intelligence and that you know what you're doing. And you know what you're doing could be hurting something. So it almost kind of sounds like you don't care. I mean, if I if I go to these lizard people and they're like, I don't know, six inches tall, and I go ahead and I start dissecting one and they start screaming and I say, well, hey, how do I get you to stop screaming? What that says is I don't care about the consequences or I don't care about the morality of what I'm doing. You know, I'm just doing it because I can, because I have the option. I can, therefore, I can operate in clandestine operations. I can do whatever I want to. It doesn't matter. You know, I can hurt, kill, maim, uh, you know, take apart creatures and uh, do whatever. Obviously, that's not right. Scientists, by their nature, dissect creatures. Uh, however, <clears throat> for the most part, uh, we do that to learn about them. And usually, they don't have a high level of intelligence. You mm -hmm. know, it, it would be different to go ahead and, you know, we, we kill and eat chickens. Uh, be different, though, if you had a bunch of chickens that were super intelligent and you could talk with them. The minute you can talk to a creature and it understands you, there's a bond formed there, at least with humans, that we don't like to cross. You know, I mean, I'm sure you've noticed, in America at least, at least in Western cultures, most Western cultures, and most of the world, people don't eat dogs here. Because even though we can't understand what they're saying, we can kind of understand dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. Usually dogs. Uh, dogs are unique creatures. Um, uh, dogs are the only creature in the world that looks at your face to figure out what you're thinking. So dogs study your face. Cats don't study, you know, all these other things. They don't study you. You know, some, like, I think wasp can memorize your face or remember your face. Wasp and hornets can. So, wow. the, so if you antagonize them, they can remember what you look like. But dogs, I'm sure not only do they memorize your face, uh, along with how you smell, but they also are looking for verbal clues on how you're feeling. Um, you know, which is which is why when you when they do something wrong, they know they've done something wrong, and they kind of hide and they kind of look down because they they know you're judging them. They know, oh, I did something I shouldn't have done, and I'm in trouble. They don't obviously their their kind of their mental capacity is not that strong, but mm -hmm. you know they might have the mind of a two or three year old. So sure. um, anyway, though, so that's where me and Whitley. Uh, we, we diverge on that path of, and I haven't read the whole book, but we diverge on the path of that they're just harmless visitors, or they're just trying to find out about us. There's other ways to commune with someone or something besides, let me torture you. <laughs> let me torture you and put medical devices in you and put all kinds of things in you uh, to go ahead and figure out what, what's going on. Like, we don't have to do that to people or creatures. Right. Um, we don't have to tag them. You know, they're, we're not animals. So... Clearly, at that point, this is the 90s, we had already developed a space program. So, you know, it could have been a very different feature of our first uh, communion with these things uh, had they gone ahead and spoke to us rationally. I understand, on the flip side, if we take the visitor or the alien standpoint, um, okay, you know, humanity, we're violent. We're the top of the food chain. 
Um, we do lie and we do backstab and we do uh, trap uh, other things and people. Uh, we can be very brutal uh, to each other, um, as we all know. You know, there's people out there that kill others and it's horrible. But that being said, um, I don't think that ever makes it okay to go ahead and um, hurt others uh, that they have sentience of some kind. And we do. We, we know who we are. We know we're humans. Whereas dogs and cats, uh, you know, they'll look in the mirror and they, they see and they think, it's, they think it's another dog when instead it's actually them. Mm. So anyway, though, uh, I feel like I've done a lot of talking. Peter, you're a senior White House correspondent. <laughs> what do you have to say? Sell some tote bags for NPR. <laughs> um, all I have to say is that the more real evidence I hear about these things, even though they're just like isolated accounts so far, the more it makes me question whether they are real aliens, that is. And then like what you said about the Bible was well, well spoken about how, yes, they're not mentioned, but there's a lot of things that aren't mentioned. And like, there's so many galaxies out there. Like it, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to know what to believe. But the more, the more like eyewitness accounts, and with those thousands of letters, like uh, adding to them that you hear about, the more real it seems, and the le the less explicable, the more inexplicable it becomes, without there actually being aliens. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, there's a book called The Communion Letters. Okay. So, yeah. See, he, he looks at these things that are just way too... I think he gives them a, like a free pass. Um, and he, he uses words like courtship and stuff like that, which obviously, you know, I, I'm sure in his mind it's not a romantic sense, but, you know, just that... I mm -hmm. guess to get to know each other, and I don't. I don't think that's true. I think that, you know, if we, you know, I've kind of talked about the human side. I've talked about the alien side and how there, to me, there's really no defense for hurting a sentient creature. Um, I think that if uh, if something is hurting you and you're and they know they're hurting you, um, then they have a duty to not hurt you anymore, unless you're at war. You know, where that's different. Um, that's, you know, it's, it's horrible. But uh, we're not at war. We're not at war with these creatures, right? You know, we're just, this guy was just laying in his bed. I mean, if I came in and I opened your bedroom door <laughs> and I looked at you, uh, you know, and you had a gun, you could shoot me. You know, in Texas, you might be able to shoot me five or eight times. I don't know. And you might be become, uh, uh, might be given the key to City Hall. But, but, uh, but yeah, no, but I mean, in all seriousness, you know, uh, it wouldn't be okay for me to do that. Um, so the thing is, these things always have to operate on the pretense of a darkness, excuse me, and conceal their actions. And B, they have to go ahead and basically paralyze you or tranquilize you kind of to get you to go ahead and not hurt them. Um, you know, he's not walking around and just like having a conversation. You know, they could easily go ahead and land on the White House lawn or in front of the White House and say, hey, um, we're here, we're from another galaxy. 
we'd like to make our presence known. Uh, we want to go ahead and, and commune with you. We want to understand humanity. And we could say, oh, wow, it's amazing. We want to understand you. Now I get it. There's a lot of evil people out there. There's some people out there who would like to kill them. You know, there's people out there that wouldn't mind hurting and killing another species. There's, there's wicked people out there. Um, and there's other nations out there that if they landed on in front of the White House, they, they definitely wouldn't like that. Yeah, I can, I can already tell you China would be very upset <laughs> that uh, they chose the United States. But... Uh, and so would Russia. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that, um, the fact that all that happened and then when you pair it with other things, uh, other accounts, mm -hmm. especially one of my favorites and, and some people really don't like this guy, but I really, I really like Bob Lazar. I think we've talked a little bit about Bob Lazar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was just watching, I need to finish the documentary that they have on him. Um, it's, uh, it's so interesting uh, how, you know, he goes ahead and he talks about, uh, the things he saw and he was on the Joe Rogan podcast also. So it was like two and a half hours of him talking. Um, it's, it, what, what the saddest part of this whole thing is, is that, you know, if I was to tell you, this was, by the way, I think that happened right around 2020. So right around coronavirus, if mm. I was to tell you, Hey, you know, uh, aliens landed in Russia or you know, Mongolia or whatever, and uh, they took off. You know, people, at least in 2020, um, were so focused on so much different stuff, they didn't care. You know, that, that that little documentary came out. A lot of people trashed it. They said, oh, the director sucks. Uh, the directing wasn't good. And it's like, dude, you know, it's it's not about the directing. <laughs> this this shouldn't be looked at as an entertainment piece. It should be looked at as more of an educational piece. Because if Bob Lazar is telling the truth, then we really need to take it seriously. Um, and if he's telling the truth, then that means the U.S. government and maybe other governments are hiding a lot of things. And there have been other governments that have hit a lot of things. Uh, mm -hmm. There have been not just UFOs and stuff, you know, aliens. They haven't just been spotted in the United States. They've been spotted in other countries. There have been some very weird, uh, what do you call it, um, sightings of uh, UFOs. Because I seem to remember there was a uh, UFO that was sighted in uh, Zimbabwe. Mm. This was in 1994. Uh, 69 children between 6 and 12 said they saw that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, then you have a lot of people that are very skeptical. And right. So people said that was just mass hysteria. So there are some people that will not believe anything. And I'm not trying to compare this to other things like, say, Christianity. But, but in a way, if you're skeptical... It's fine, but I do think that there's a point where you can just be too skeptical to where you really should just say, I don't believe at all. Like, you could have an alien sitting at this table right now, and you still wouldn't believe. You know, it would just be like how there are people, we go outside, we could talk to them, and they, they, they will not believe in God. They will right. not believe in whatever. There are people, and, and you wouldn't think it would be that bad, but there are people that, you know, we've, we've had conversations about this, about the coronavirus. <laughs> Uh, about the vaccine, about AI, about anything. It just seems like now we live in that postmodernist movement where truth is subjective. Whoever yells the loudest must be right. Um, mm. It's wrong. You know, just because you think something doesn't mean you're right. Uh, and the idea being that, uh, you know, these folks that believe that, uh, well, there's no such way. There's no, no way that alien beings exist. There's no way that that could be true when you've had 69 people, children, uh, you've had Bob Lazar, who has a PhD. Uh, I believe he's a physicist. Mm -hmm. 
you've had all these different people say they've saw things. In my life, I know at least two people that have told me they've seen UFOs uh, or, or things that are not from this world. Uh, one person told me he was driving around. It was at night. I think they were in Nebraska. And there's a bunch of cornfields. And there's a thing. And it was huge. And it was like blue or whatever. And it was in front of his car. Mm. And uh, him and his wife saw it. But the kids were asleep. And it took off. Um, there was another one I think I told you about. Uh, about the guy. I was doing Uber. And, and I was reading this book. We were just talking. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he says, oh, you know, I saw something. And then he, he showed me this video. Which is not advised to do that to your Uber driver when they're driving the car. But right. yeah, he showed me the video of that of whatever it was. I don't know what it was. It was it was a long deal. It was pretty big and it was like really long in diameter. And it almost looked like you could see like uh, trails as if like jets, you know, when jets make contrails. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it wasn't. It was something else. And it was like I said, What is that? You know, it almost looks like uh, it could be Starlink satellites, but Starlink satellites don't leave uh, contrails because they're out of the atmosphere. Mm. They're in space. So I don't know what that was. Um, I know somebody else that I'm not going to say their name that we worked with at mm. the company we worked with. And they say that they're, they have a family member that uh, has seen UFOs or seen aliens on his property in Minnesota. Uh, I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if that person is just, not seeing this stuff or who knows um mm-hmm. but i i definitely think this is something that we should think about um you know going back to the the whole whole point of uh there's a lot of things that aren't in the bible to say that well it's on the bible it's not true like i said it's a super narrow uh approach to life there's a lot of there's a lot of christians who believe that though there's a lot of christians who say well it's not the Bible. It doesn't concern me. You know that, and you can't live your life like that. Like there's mm. so much stuff that's not in the Bible. It needs to concern you. Um, rabies isn't in the Bible, but if you get bitten by a dog that has rabies, it's going to concern <laughs> you like really quick. Like you're right. gonna you're gonna get really concerned. Like you need to have concern that day uh, and get vaccinated or whatever. Get the uh, the vaccine. Right. So yeah, um, he was uh, taken. And uh, he goes ahead, and uh, he he did have the hypnosis. I did go ahead, and I took some notes. This I've got a Kindle. It's a used Kindle. Uh, really good though, if you ever want to read books. Okay. Because you can actually uh, go ahead and take uh, like uh, highlights. So this is from his book, uh, Communion. Um, prior to publishing the book, now he talks about this is a I think this was written in two thousand three. He talks about like an update. Um, prior to publishing the book, I had a career as a novelist with the publication of War Day in 1983, which was an acclaimed novelistic attempt to warn of the dangers of the so-called limited nuclear war, which we're still dealing with right now with Ukraine. My literature, literary reputation had reached a high point. And now, here I was, claiming that I'd had contact with aliens. Worse, some of my early books had been horror novels. And the intellectual and literary communities now forgot about War Day and rushed to say that Communion was also a horror novel, a clever hoax designed to deceive the public and fill my pockets with cash. Our many literary friends disappeared from our lives. I became a pariah, my wife a social outcast. 
Throughout his school years, our son was relentlessly bullied and persecuted. As for the media, they gave me a hearing, but in the process, more or less, ate me for lunch. Because I had become convinced of the subject's importance, I did not back down. On the contrary, I toured the world, arguing that the whole situation was more serious than people thought and deserved careful study. These efforts were drowned in a flood of condescending rejection. Meanwhile, in the deeps of the night and out of sight of the conventional world, the abductions were continuing. This was causing the emergence of a hidden social group that now numbers in the tens of thousands, if not more, the close encounter community. And as this is being written, most of these people must still keep their own counsel or limit their admission of their experiences to private groups that cater to such witnesses. My weekly podcast, Dreamland, and my website, unknowncountry.com, have been serving this community since 1998. Um, wow. And um, Jeez. this is another little part of the book that I highlighted. In April of 2022, a group of official documents were released under the Freedom of Information Act that discussed the psychological effects of close encounters with the objects. This was the first very limited official admission that such encounters take place. One of the documents generated by the Defense Intelligence Agency in 2009 and called Anomalous Acute and Subacute Field Effects on Human and Biological Tissues discusses injuries to human observers by anomalous advanced aerospace systems and says that they could represent a threat to the United States interest. This is not from this is not a previously classified document, but one compiled from outside sources by the Pentagon's Advanced Aerospace Threat Assessment Programs. And other things it mentions brain damage and unexpected pregnancies. What, what does not cover are disappearing pregnancies, which would actually seem to be more common, and as happened to me, the extraction of semen from male witnesses. What? Um, yeah. So, um, let's see if I can oh my goodness. find our, uh, where's my bookmarks here? Notes and highlights. Okay. Um, this is still part of the introduction. Does the fact that we witnesses are learning to cope with the situation and beginning to benefit from it mean that our visitors are actually positive and we have only our own fear to thank for any negative relationship? They are, if anything, more full of contradictions than we are. And indeed, if human beings were able to travel to a distant planet inhabited by a less advanced species, they would see a vast array of different approaches. Missionaries, anthropologists, soldiers, criminals, biologists, and so many others would all have different agendas, and their understanding of those motives might be very confused indeed. For example, if we abducted some of them to cure disease they did not know they had, how would they regard our actions? Or if we gave some of them hallucinogens to test their brain function, what would be their perception of what was happening to them? And if some of us regarding them as having human rights and others didn't, what overall conclusion about us would they be able to draw about their about our policies towards them? Mm. I'm just going to go to my next note here. Um, I also think, this is from another page, that there really isn't going to be any way for us to control the situation. How can we devise weapons or procedures that are effective in controlling somebody who can flicker in and out of reality? Later though, this is another area, in bedrooms across the world, sleepy eyes will open to find that the shadows will have drawn close. They will be complex, contradictory, dangerous, and wonderful shadows standing before us as we will be to them. Um, 
Yo, camping. That's freaky. It is. It is freaky. It um, makes me not want to go to bed tonight. Well, you know, sleep tight, Peter. <laughs> uh, this is the prelude. Um, to all appearances, I've had an elaborate personal encounter with intelligent non-human beings. But who could they be? And where are they? Where have they come from? Are they are unidentified flying objects real? Are there goblins or demons or visitors? At first, I thought I was losing my mind, but I was interviewed by three psychologists and three psychiatrists, given a battery of psychological tests in a neurological examination, and found to fall within the normal range in all aspects, all respects. I was also given a polygraph by an operator with 30 years' experience, and I passed without qualification. I've been indifferent to the whole issue of unidentified flying objects and extraterrestrials. I have viewed them as a false unknown, easily explainable as misperceptions or hallucinations. Now, what was I to think? So, uh, and I do have one more, I think, note. Let's see. Yeah, I think so. Um, let's see. Uh, by the way, he does talk in pretty good detail about what happened that first night, uh, even down to like what they ate and stuff. Wow. Um, an article appeared in April 17th, 1983, the issue of the New York Times, quoting a professional meteorologist who observed a silent object a thousand yards in diameter, hovering a hundred feet above him. He is quoted by the Times as saying he had the sensation of being scanned and rejected. So, and I think I have one more. Uh, nobody has explained... Um, let me see here. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, this is when him, he was talking to somebody else. He spoke to a Mr., I don't know how to say this name right, uh, Philip J. Imbrogano, Imbrogano, who said that he had collected since 1983 more than 200 reports from people trained in some way as observers and that they had seen huge devices that had clear structure to them. He added that on one night, when there were extensive and clear sightings of a device hovering above a local parkway, the winds were averaging 23 knots. What people saw on that night was not aircraft, heavy or light, flying in close formation. And nobody has explained who came and took me in that night and injected something in my brain. So, yeah. It's, uh... It's gonna... Shut that off. So that was from a, I think a meteorologist and stuff. So the the one before that, the quote before that. So yeah, it's uh, I I would say you know uh, my conclusion so far. I mean I read like forty percent of the book, but my conclusion is that if these beings are real, that there's a good chance that uh, that there's perhaps more than one species, and that maybe he encountered. Um, and we've a lot of people have encountered one species of them that apparently likes to study people, and there may be other ones that are not as violent or not as mean. Uh, we may not know. Maybe they just go ahead and observe, or maybe they're just not here. They could go ahead and just ignore us. Uh, there is the Fermi paradox. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about that. We should talk about that on the next next show. But there's sure. something called the Fermi paradox paradox that talks about aliens and the whole concept of where are the aliens that there's aliens out there and um, mm -hmm. one of those is you know there are no aliens and I think another one is saying that we are the aliens and another one saying that we're so far apart that if they're out there 
um, we wouldn't even know if they're broadcasting stuff because it takes forever for the whatever waves that they're sending out for us to even reach us. We are there is a probe out there right now in space. Uh, we've sent it out, I think, in the 70s. Um, it's got a bunch of images and uh, trying to describe where we are. Um, I think they even have like a, a picture of like our solar system on there to show whoever sees it where we live, which. Sounds like a good idea, right? I mean, we assume that we're going to find someone that's not going to kill us, you know? And that's another thing about the Fermi Paradox is that, you know, it's kind of like a dark forest and um, uh, that there's a bunch of hunters and whoever is seen first is shot. And so right now, we haven't seen anybody, but if they see us first, then we'll be destroyed because we could be a threat. I don't know how we would be a threat because right now we're not, but if you look back at us throughout history i mean we're pretty violent as uh, creatures right so we're, we're going out just killing mm -hmm. you know men women children um all kinds of horrible things so i don't know but we haven't been destroyed yet so i i don't know and then you know with the u.s government why would the government want to cover that up uh is it to present prevent mass panic i mean Perhaps. if you look at coronavirus um you know just the whole idea of supply problems we had mm -hmm. uh people are kind of crazy <laughs> No toilet paper, can't get that. You can't. People are buying meat by as much as they can fit in their cart. A lot of times, uh, people are people are dumb. So I don't know. I don't think it's right necessarily to cover up stuff. I think some things should be covered up, um, like military things. But uh, I don't think something like this should be covered up. So uh, Peter, any uh, any final words? <laughs> I would agree with that, that I don't think it should be covered up if it's true. But it's very troubling. I'm troubled. <laughs> you should be troubled. <laughs> oh, man. You should be troubled, Pete. All right? You should be terrified. Well, I mean, the way I think about it is this. It's like, it's like lightning. It's, uh, you know, let's just say, well, for, first off, if it is true, the good news is is that North Dakota is like one of the lowest ever in like recorded history of recorded sightings of anything. Mm. So I think we're like almost at the bottom. Like there might be like one or two. We're at like number you know forty nine or fifty of states that have ever seen anything. Um, but uh, however, though over in Washington, there's a lot more that they've seen. Mm. Um, but I, I look at it like lightning, you know, it's, it's like you could go outside and there's a giant thunderstorm. It's pretty scary, but the chance of you getting hit by lightning is pretty low. Uh, and it's just kind of like, well, the chance of you seeing something is very low already, but the chance of something even abducting you is even lower. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, true. I don't know. So, um, you have you know, a good point there. Sleep tight tonight. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you've got two things to worry about, heartbreak and aliens. No. So, so, yeah. Oh, oh. Poor Peter. Nobody wants to commune with you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I do need to read this book. This book has kept me up, though. It's very hard for me to sleep at night when I read that book because uh, it is scary. I mean, it's weird because it's not really horror but it is in a weird way you know just that yeah. idea that someone could come in 
You know, you think it'd be more scary if you read a book about like demonic entities and stuff. That's pretty scary. Right. But I think the thing is with that is we have ways of combating that spiritually. Whereas, mm-hmm. I mean, what can you do? Just something that can paralyze you or something that can stop all your electronics and stop everything and take you. I mean, there's been so many reported sightings. You know, there's been a lot of movies that have been uh, sensationalized. Obviously, Communion was a movie. I haven't seen it yet. Communion was a movie that was uh, not the best received. Um, okay. I know there was uh, Fire in the Sky that came out, I think, in the 90s. That was oh, pretty, yeah. That was pretty horrifying. <laughs> That's a pretty terrifying movie uh, for kids. I mean, I don't know about adults, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 something interesting to think about. And um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe just uh, it also kind of makes us think a little bit more about um, things that are extraterrestrial. Because most of us focus on what's going on in our lives, how we're going to pay this bill. You know, i got to be ready for this appointment. And all we can think about is ourself. All we can think about is our life, our job, and all this stuff. And then when you talk about that, it's mm-hmm. so far out of the realm of possibilities. We just say, well, to heck with it. You know, I'm not even going to think about it. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. Most people live as if it doesn't exist, it doesn't concern me. But I think maybe we should take another look and really think about, like, well, maybe it should concern me. Just because, at the very least, give it a second look. You know, and think about it. So mm-hmm. look at the evidence. Look at the evidence and then make yeah. your own conclusions. And I, I want to go ahead and really dig deep into that. For a long time, I didn't believe in aliens. I didn't believe that there was a, a, the possibility of aliens. Even now, I'm like, well, I'm not sure. You know, I'm kind of like on the border. I would say Bob Lazar, very convincing what he said. But yeah, I mean, I, I kind of was like, well, I don't know. You know, as a kid growing up, even with my mom and all that stuff, I was just like, well whatever you know i don't know if that's true there's no there's no alien craft outside i can't prove to you but when you have a lot of people that are saying yeah like this happened to me um it does make Mm -hmm. you kind of step back and who knows maybe there's people that have had that happening but they're not gonna say anything because they're afraid you know they don't don't know how that's gonna be received right so do you know anybody who's ever said they've seen an alien no okay yeah so I've, like I've said, I've only only met two people that have said, yeah, I've seen something unidentified out there. But an unidentified object, that's anything. Uh, that can be anything. I saw something when I was driving the bus, uh, but it was a drone. It was a drone. And let me tell you what, that was pretty scary because I knew it was something. And it had, I knew it was a human thing because it, it was a red light. Uh, it was uh, quiet. You couldn't hear it. It was just really scary. And it was like fast. I looked up and I was like, what is that? And it's like zipping across the sky. And I'm like, dude, that is super fast. And it's pretty low, too. And, uh, yeah, it was it was drone training. So drones are terrifying. Wow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. So, Peter, um, before we leave, uh, anything you want to say? <laughs> no. Put your CPAP on extra tight tonight, folks. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to help you. That's not. That's not. <laughs> but you'll at least be able to sleep. So that's that's the main thing you gotta think about. Yeah. Anything you want to say tonight? Um. No, I've said my piece. You said your piece. <laughs> <laughs> this is Thanksgiving at the Turpin House. Um. You know. Uh, live your life, Peter. That's what I say every podcast. Just yeah, live your life. I stole it from you last time. <laughs> you did. Just uh, go ahead and live your life and uh, 
Just don't get abducted by aliens yeah. and get your rectum probed. Yeah, or or do. And if you're going to get it, you know, maybe have them check out uh, if you have colon cancer, too. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to be in there. Just get, get it all done at get once. Get it all done. Yeah, it's cheaper than Blue Cross Blue Shield. So, and it's faster. You know, you get it done in all in one night. So, you know, maybe you get cancer instead of getting it removed. Maybe they'll give you cancer. I don't know. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, who knows? Maybe you could poop cancer out. Can you poop cancer out? I don't think you can. <laughs> We're not doctors on everyday ignorance. We're not. This is why. <laughs> but live your life. Live your life as if you're going to get abducted tonight. Okay? Live your life as if as if you will get abducted tonight and you won't have to go into work tomorrow. Would you rather get a, Would you rather... <laughs> the tuberculosis kicking in? Look at you went full full tuberculosis right there at the very end. Um, is that? Uh, I mean, wouldn't that be nice though if you could just get abducted tonight and then you won't have to go to work tomorrow? I mean, I'd take that for sure. I'm not sure if I would make that trade off. Oh, I would. If I worked where you worked, I would. I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> take me now, boys. Take me now. Thank just you. Take <laughs> Uh, Great, that's a wrap, folks. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll talk about um, possibly next week. I think we could cover more of this book. Or-